Hello and welcome to JudgeCast. This is episode 193. I am one of your hosts, Brian Prilliman, and I am joined this evening by my two fabulous co-hosts, Jess Dunks. Hi, this is Jess. And Brogan King. Hi, everybody. So, this is, occasionally, we like to record what we call evergreen episodes. So these are these are episodes dealing with um, rules that can be used for people who are studying to become a judge. Uh, and you can go back and they're, they're for the purpose of archiving. Uh, this is going to be one of those episodes. So you're not going to find uh, contemporary references in this episode, like the fact that the Philadelphia Eagles just beat the New England Patriots. Get it out of your system now. You happy? I really, yeah, I'm getting it out of my system. Also, okay. the way I said that, Jess, um, you can like slot next in. Year, you can slot in any other football right. team. That you, want. <laughs> exactly. you had some next appropriate positives. You can just keep it in. If you don't notice, I was actually for for recording this. I was actually holding my hand up over my mouth, so you can't see my lips move. Works great. Oh yeah, perfect. Um, yeah, we that, we, that, we, that we visual we, humor. We can't, we can't see on our yes. podcast. Well, you know, hey. Uh, it's that attention to detail that elevates us among uh, above other podcasts. So what we're actually talking about is not uh, the Super Bowl champions, the Philadelphia Eagles. We are instead talking about steps to casting a spell. Uh, we last covered this episode in episode 71, uh, which was uh, the summer of 2013. So almost five years ago. I wasn't even a judge yet. We, we got an email from a listener who was, who was asking, and when we went back and checked the archives, it was, wow, it's been so long. Uh, let's go ahead and re-record, uh, since not everybody goes back and listens to the archives. For those of you that do, we thank you. Um, so uh, give this one a listen. Uh, some things are different. Uh, most things aren't, but uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll keep it fresh. Um, all right. So uh, one of the first things uh, with regard to steps to casting a spell is actually knowing what what is casting a spell like some spell some cards refer to playing a card and some talk about casting a card or casting a spell what's what's the difference there between well, you can't cast a land yeah there's so there's not technically a difference between casting a card and a, a casting a spell the vast majority of the time uh but but only non-land cards can be cast and if you are somehow casting a copy of a spell then you're obviously not casting a card. Those are the real functional major distinctions there. Yeah. If some if something if something tells you to play now there used to be a rule that says if you were to play a card uh that that meant you could either play a land or cast a spell, correct? Yes, that used to be the case. Uh but uh that's that doesn't work that way anymore. Now, there right. there might They've rotted those cards. Uh generally speaking, yes. Now that's you might still find things that say uh, when you cast a card, or 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 when you play a card, or or you may play cards as though they had, you know, at any time as though they had flash. But uh, nothing should refer to casting a card anymore. It should refer to casting a spell or playing a card. It's one of those instances where, as always, uh, cards themselves don't necessarily, if they're especially if they're older, do exactly what they say on the card. If you're ever unsure, just Look up that oracle. There are a few. There are a few effects. Not many, but there's a few effects that still refer to playing a card. And what that means is uh, playing a card as a land or casting the card as a spell, uh, depending on which it is. So there's not many, but they're still out. All right. So 
So if you're gonna if something lets you cast a cast a, a spell, great. We need to know what we're gonna do if we're gonna cast that spell. Now this this is a lot of steps um, to remember. There used to be a mnemonic device uh, that was that was uh, all crazy teens uh, have tried magic pills was the mnemonic device. However, since that was in use, they've actually changed the order of things a little bit. So uh, we're gonna go through these steps. Uh, they are you know very meticulous, very detailed. However, in reality, a lot of people just say things like bolt your creature. Right. It, the f- magic functionally, very rarely does anyone go through the mechanics of each one of these steps. So the very first thing we do when we're casting a spell is what? Announce that we're casting it. And then we put it on the stack. Right. And the, the player that put it on the stack becomes the spell's controller. Right. So so announcing. So when you say if you're going to cast lightning bolt, lightning bolt, and you put it you're really you're just probably pointing at another creature, but you, and you're just kind of holding it in your hand. But the stack is a zone, uh, much like the battlefield, or the graveyard, stuff like that. It's it's more virtual. The the only zone. times when we functionally see the stack usually are if somebody is responding to a spell, or you have like a counter spell war where you just have to visualize all these spells sitting on top of each other, or there's triggers involved. So so the spell the spell is no longer in your hand or in your graveyard or in exile wherever you're casting it from it's not there anymore and a card that really illustrates this is a card called Silvergill Adept. Um and Silvergill Adept has a additional text that says as an additional cost to cast Silvergill Adept reveal a merfolk card from your hand or pay 3. Silvergill Adept is also a merfolk and if you ask well can you reveal Sil- can you reveal itself? And and the answer is no no you can't because Silvergill Adept is is on the stack so you can't reveal a you can't reveal itself from your hand because I feel like there the are stack. a lot of a lot a lot of cards that would be absolutely broken if you could if they counted themselves for whatever purpose inc- right. including Silvergill but, Adept but I guess the yeah the the thing the thing is cards move from your hand at the beginning of casting the spell they don't move from your hand at the end yep because the first so, thing we do is all right put them on that stack so so the next step. Is is one of the spicy, spicy ones. Spicy ones. Uh, yeah, it's one of the spicy ones. What all? Uh, what's what's the next step? Uh, after putting it on the stack, you need to you need to choose yeah. modes, if applicable. Yeah, well, if there if there are modes, yes, and that's that's also true for any other steps later on. If if you can't do this step because the card doesn't do it, it just gets skipped. Um, but a mode is on a card like cryptic command or. Uh, the unset's very cryptic command uh, or a braid, um, something where there are basically bullet point lists of things you can can do uh, and you have to choose one or multiple of them. This is where you make that choice. And and in addition, in addition to choosing modes, there's other choices that you might have to make for the card as well, right? Uh, yeah, there are. So you can also, uh, other stuff gets put in here as well, like uh, if you're going to splice something, which happens in modern with Storm, um, or if you're going to uh, pay, a, if you're going to pay a hybrid cost, uh, I believe determining which cost you're going to pay gets hap- happens here. That's not actually part of determining the total cost. Is just saying I'll choose white here for my you know white black hybrid card, um, and then if you're going to pay for Exian mana, that is also chosen here. Uh, and if you have any X values, that's that's where we're, we're choosing that here as well. Now. Um, X values specifically in the casting cost uh, that are not 
somehow set in the rest in the rest of the card. Um, you're going to be choosing that here. Uh, now, one thing to note that's very interesting is that you are not at this point uh, deciding how many cards you're delving away for the delve mechanic, and you're not deciding how many creatures you will be tapping for Convoke. Those actually happen later on. Uh, some of the other choices that you're going to make is you're going to make choices like if you're going to pay an additional cost. Okay, some some spells give you the option of choosing whether or not you're going to pay an additional cost, like our our Silver Gill Adept. Uh, uh, some some spells just have a straight, you know, as an additional cost, sacrifice a creature. That that you don't have a choice for, but but things that have kicker or uh, give you the choice to decide whether or not you're going to pay an additional cost. Uh, you also have um, uh, you're making the choice regarding alternate costs. So like if you were going to cast something with bestow. Uh, or overload or uh, uh, dash. Uh, those are those are decisions that you would make at this time. Uh, and then those those choices can actually um, restrict previous choices. So, for example, flashback. Okay, since you are casting it out of the graveyard for its flashback cost, uh, you cannot decide to not pay that flashback cost like it's the flashback is what's letting you cast right, the spell. once you once you've chosen that and that's how you're casting it you can't go back and say no 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 well you can but you know what i'm saying <laughs> it's, not, it's, it's, it's not gonna it's be not helpful gonna be, you're it's not gonna right. Be right you're stuck so so if if you're making a choice that allows you to kind of start casting the spell uh, if you're if you're deciding to use an alternate cost that lets you start casting the spell, well, you're kind of locked into that <laughs> because you can't that otherwise alternate. do it. Right. Okay. So we've we've figured out now specifically one of the things that makes sense here with this with this next step. So the next step is determining what the targets are. So the the, the last step was choosing things. Uh, that has to be before targets because some spells, especially ones that have multiple modes, uh, change what they have to target based on what modes you choose. So it, it makes sense that, you know, if you choose no modes with targets, then, you know, you're, you're not going to have to pick any targets. Whereas if you do choose modes with targets, you're going to have to choose It's like some. a flowchart sort of situation. And yeah. Yeah. So, um, so what, uh, uh, so the next step is. Yeah. And we choose targets. targets right? um, now that we have, we may or may not have chosen things that, that, modes that make us choose targets um so like if you have a cryptic command and you've chosen counter target spell and and draw a card so if i if i have chosen counter target spell guess what i now need to uh choose what spell i am targeting for, for hex for example says destroy six target creatures guess what we need to choose different targets we need to we can't just choose the same creature six times yeah, you have to have six different targets. So this is a great card for Arch Enemy and not a great card in your modern or legacy deck. If there is something that has multiple instances of the word target um, and doesn't say another target, you can choose the same target. So um, there's a spell from RTR that basically put a, put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature, put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature. Yeah, that's a you great example. Choose, you can choose the same one. Um, now, if it said another target creature, they'd have to be different. Right. Or if it said put a plus one plus one counter on two target creatures, right? They they'd have to be different, right? Unless it if it says if it says another, you obviously can't choose itself the same thing as another. Um, but if it if it says target multiple times and doesn't tell you otherwise, 
you can generally choose the same target multiple times. Next up, we're going to be distributing uh, our effects. So we're dividing and distributing effects. This is this is still the fourth step now that we've one, two, three, four. This is still our fourth step. Um, and uh, I always remember that dis- divide and distribute effects is the fourth step because uh, it's it's fourth edition D and D was was like my least favorite. Wait, is that actually how you remember this? Or are you just making this up right now? Yeah, that's actually how I no that that is. Like that was the mnemonic that years ago. Remember it? How I actually remember this? Yes, because well, fourth edition was new, uh, and I didn't uh, like it. Fourth edition D anD D was new at the time, and I I just really didn't like it. I still love three point five edition D anD D, but um, so say we all. <laughs> I I also hated fourth edition. Again, so say we all. <laughs> I mean, I've heard I've rate. heard good things about about fifth edition, but I don't know. I I haven't tried. Um, anyway, so that's how I remember that, um, and. When you when you get into this step, the, the divide and distribute effects step, um, if you have something that needs to divide uh, damage or counters, and you as the player have to choose what that division is, you'll choose that here. Um, so something that says divide up to two damage among you know, any number of target creatures, uh, you you get to choose. The, uh, the targets in the previous step, and you get to choose how much damage is distributed here. But you can't choose like three damage, or sorry, three different creatures for dividing two damage. Everything has to get at least one of something that uh, that, that you're distributing, whatever it is, counters, damage, whatever else. However, um, if you have a card like uh, Fireball, right? That Fireball does this weird thing where it divides damage on its own uh, as the spell resolves. Uh, that's that's really uh, that's that's not something that happens in this step. That's actually done as part of the resolution. When it resolves, it will do the math and figure out how much needs to be divided. Yeah, fireball is the exception, not the rule to this sort of situation. Right, which is sad because the card is actually quite iconic. Right, exactly. Um, yeah, fireball, while used a lot as a as a basic example. For this particular thing is not a good example. So, so you said if I if I have to deal damage like like Boggart and Hellkite, which deals five damage divided as you choose amongst any number of target creatures or players, I can't choose like ten creatures and then do five damage to one and then zero to all, the other nine. If you're trying to abuse triggers by targeting multiple things, alas, you cannot. Alas, it does work a little bit awkwardly that way with Fireball, though. If I like, if I like target a bunch of phantasmal bears with fireball they'll all get sacrificed and then all the damage goes to the whatever's left um but in your bogarden hellkite example uh that's true even if something's going to double the damage later we don't know that at this point so you could still only target up to five things and deal uh, uh exactly one damage or assign each one damage to each of those things you're targeting oh, so like if there was like a furnace of wrath or something that said double all damage dealt i can't say oh well it's gonna deal 10 so let me let me select 10 things P- pick pick 10 different things now right cool nah so what's next so this is where we get weird right yeah this this one is this one is different from the last time we recorded um this step is so this step is new-ish and by new-ish i mean like three years old um <laughs> Something like that. Yeah, it came it came out shortly after uh, Theros block, and what it is is uh, the game checks to see if the proposed spell can be legally cast. Um, if the proposed spell is illegal, 
then we're going to undo everything. This is this is more for something along the lines of uh, if you have the ability to cast a creature or anytime you cast an instant, we're going to check now to see if it's a creature. And this is this is relevant for some things that have the ability to uh, change what they are while on the stack. Okay, so the 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 example that this was created for was for bestow. Okay, it's an enchantment creature in your hand, and if you choose to cast it for the bestow cost, uh, it becomes a an aura that is bestow away on your creature. Yes, um, <laughs> bestow. It's a so, bestow away. <laughs> So, so there, there's a card that says uh, uh, you may cast creature cards from your hand as though they had, as though they had flash. And if you decide to cast a creature with bestow for its bestow cost, um, it would end up becoming an enchantment, uh, an aura, and you were able to put an aura on your creature at instant speed. Or uh, and that was not what they wanted to have happen and they being so they put this rule in there to check for the legality at this particular point in time so if you can if you can start casting the spell great and then do it and then at this particular point in time after we've determined targets after we've choose uh, chosen alternate costs uh and and assessed the impact of those we go now we say well can we actually cast it and if the answer is yes great if the answer is no then we undo everything up until this point, uh, and you get priority again, and you get to try something different. I think it's. I feel like it's very hard to to pinpoint examples of why this exists, other than bestow, as you've discussed. And I think it's important to like it's checking to see if if the spell as it now exists on the stack again is still is still legal. Not like, but this is to, like with with bestow. This is totally a creature. No, really. Well, as it exists right now on the stack, is it is it a creature? All right. Mm-hmm. So so we've been given so the game the rules of the game have given us a thumbs up and said we're okay to proceed. Yep. So I just imagine I just imagine like the rules in some kind of like secret hideout like like a NASA control center just we are go for casting. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I was I was picturing like a flight crew, like somebody like out on a runway with the the like like waving us out. You're clear for takeoff here. Huh. That's that's decidedly more uh, more recent technology. I was thinking like old timey police officer with the whistle, just kind of like waving people on and traffic cop. Yeah, (laughs) traffic. Uh, No, Uh, I guess the rules are kind of a traffic cop. I really want like the Brian Perlman traffic cop token now. Like that's a thing that must exist with Brian, like with a whistle and his hand out, like with stop. I don't bonus points. All right, bonus points for like. Uh, you know, a, like a crooked hat. This is straight up one of those ideas that anything I say is just going to make it worse, isn't it? Yes. Absolutely yes. Uh, it's like, if I say no, I don't want it, then it'll just encourage people to make it. And if I say yes, make it, it'll just encourage people to make it. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's accurate. Um, but now that we have this lovely image of Traffic Cop Brian, um... We have determined that the 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 spell that we're trying to cast to make this traffic cop is legal, um, uh, and we must figure out our total cost based on all the decisions we have made prior to now. Uh, to figure out the total cost, um, we have to start with uh, whatever we started with, which is a really <laughs> stupid thing to say. Uh, you start with the uh, 
the basic mana cost of the spell, like what's printed on the card, or if you paid an alternate cost of some kind, like flashback or anything like that, um, you, you start with that cost. Um, and then you look to see if there's anything that is making the cost more expensive, uh, like additional costs, like kicker and if Thalia is in play, making it more expensive. Um, this additional cost doesn't have to be mana. It can be tapping creatures. It can be sacrificing permanents. Uh, it can be discarding, excuse me, discarding cards. Uh, after you look to see if there is any of that, uh, you look for any effects that reduce costs. So anything that says, you know, your creatures cost one less to cast will apply here if it applies. Uh, after you look at everything that reduces costs and you added that to the to the additions, then you look for effects that set costs. And I believe the only effect in the game that sets costs is Trinisphere. Uh, Trinisphere rule. The Trinisphere yep. rule. Uh, so you look to see if Trinisphere applies. So at this point, we see how much does it cost. Uh, do you look to see if Trinisphere applies, or really do you just look for a Trinisphere? <laughs> you, you scour the board for a Trinisphere hiding under all the other permanents. Right. Yeah. So if, if, uh, if you have a bunch of reductions that would reduce a cost past zero... Uh, you you just pay zero. It's, it's not going to be reduced further than zero. You don't get free mana. Right. Uh, we determine the total cost. At this point, that cost is locked in. No matter what happens in the rest of the steps of casting a spell, you're not going to pay a different cost than the one that was just determined and locked in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. Now we know how much Traffic Cop Brian costs to cast. How do we cast him from here? We we We, we know how... We, we've chosen his modes and targets. We've distributed. I don't know what that would need to distribute. He's super, super legal. And we know his total cost. Yeah, so the game the game's essentially given us a receipt that says you need to pay X amount of mana, Y amount of tapped creatures, Z number of sacrifice permanents, and some letter that comes after Z number of discarded, <laughs> car- discarded cards. This is the worst <laughs> card ever. Um, so, so the game's, the game's given you a receipt that says you need to pay, uh, you need to pay stuff. If that stuff includes, uh, mana costs, then you get the ability to activate mana. Then you have the, the, the privilege to activate mana ability. Okay. And we've, we've talked about, yes, the privilege. So we've, we've talked what, about what mana abilities are. Generally speaking, this is tapping lands for mana, tapping artifacts for mana, uh, maybe sacrificing one of your, one of your Eldrazi scions, um, uh, to, to get mana. So you can do that at this particular point in time. Um, there are some abilities that add mana to your mana pool that are not mana abilities like planeswalker abilities and if the mana ability also has a target in it you cannot activate them at this time okay so game tells you how that you got to pay you got the ability to reach into your wallet and and get some dollars out however if you have a dollar that also targets you you would need to pull that dollar out before now right because that is that is not technically a mana ability yes yeah it's not a dollar an actual dollar. All right. So so now so now we've got we've got our our we we've got our dollars and now it's time to actually pay. Right. Yeah. We pay. We pay the costs. Um. You're allowed to. If there are different kinds of costs, you're allowed to pay them in any order that you want to pay them. However, partial payments are not allowed. So so if you start paying the mana, you finish paying the mana before you move on to the next one, and so on. Um. I'm not sure why it's relevant, but 
the game rules specify that that if a cost is unpayable, it can't be paid. Uh, that seems obvious to me, but I'm not sure I understand what that okay. functionally means. Like, what it just means that that so, uh, so you 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 if an effect cares if you paid a certain kind of mana to cast a spell, for example, you can't pay mana for a, a man a spell that doesn't cost mana. Ah, okay. So I can't I can't say ah yes I have. I have totally used this blue mana to cast this spell, even though right this pact of negation, uh, my, right? Like, right, even though I have also like if there's a if there's a Thalia in play that that makes something cost one more, uh, that doesn't mean you get to cast your ancestral visions. Oh yeah, that makes sense too. That makes sense too. So so Anse- ancestral visions is a card with no mana cost. You can only cast. You can only suspend it. And then it gets cost. Uh, it gets cast as as the resolving of suspend. But up in the up in the top right corner, there's nothing there. So I can't just choose to pay. No, it has a mana cost now. You have a Thalia. Right. Yeah. You made it cost one. I'll I'll pay the one and and draw cards. No, that's, that's a really good call. I didn't even think about that. Um, oh, also, also, like if I have a card with a sunburst or whatever the the gives you extra stuff for paying different colors of mana i can't pay more mana than the thing the thing costs to give my thing more counters although thalia in that case does let you add more counters thalia does let you add, which is really cute i love doing that yep uh do that in legacy all the time and uh uh if a spell requires you to cast an or sacrifice an artifact and the artifact is making things cheaper um or more expensive if you are sacrificing your Trinisphere, I guess. Uh, then uh, that cost is already locked in. You you can't you can't change it after the fact. Uh, also, when it comes time to pay costs, there are certain things that let you do things instead of paying mana. So, an examples would be like delve and convoke. Let you tap creatures as though you were paying mana, or discard cards, or not discard cards, uh, exile cards from your graveyard instead of paying the mana. Uh, so those would be things that you would do at that particular point in time. So we've so, we've uh, that, that's most, the same reason. Most of the time, it doesn't matter, though. Right? It's the same reason that earlier we were saying you don't choose the choose these now because that's part of paying for it, not part of choosing, not part of determining the cost. Um, all right. So we have traffic cop Brian. We've paid all his costs. We paid all his costs. Did we delve or convoke for him? Uh. I don't yeah. I don't know. So those are those are things that let you you can you can choose to if if the cards have delve or convoke, you can choose to delve and convoke instead of uh, paying the mana. Those are those are abilities that let you do those things at this time. We, we referenced that earlier. And, and those, those things work at this point instead of the other point. And th- there's a there's a weird reason for that. And that's basically they work now so that you can't overpay on them if they were in that earlier step where you chose things, then you'd be in this weird spot where you could just exile your entire graveyard for something that you would normally would, only delve one for. Right. I would like to, I would like to delve away my entire graveyard. Please. Right. And you might think if you haven't been playing magic that long, or even if you have, you might think, why would I ever want to exile my entire graveyard? There are plenty of reasons why you would want to exile your entire or most of your graveyard. Um, and actually just playing the card Tassiger brings it into perspective if i could exile everything i didn't want to have left for tassiger uh by casting tassiger sick stuff right and that's the reason tassiger is good at all but if you could get rid of everything even if you had a bunch of cards in your graveyard it would be even better exactly 
Um, and uh, it's interesting timing-wise if you look at when the card Tassiger was printed and consider when they were probably making that set and that card in that set, that was about the time the rule changed. Uh, how appropriate. So, yeah, so I'm wondering you know, how far ahead they were looking when they decided to make that change. Um, and anyway, so after after you uh, you do those things, I believe now the spell has ca- has been cast. So I just need Traffic Hop Brian to tell me whether or not the car has gone past him and the spell is successfully cast. Well, no. See, what happens is is I, I already let you by, and then I radioed my buddy down the road a little ways that you were speeding to pull you over. Um, give me a ticket. You're a jerk. I just let you. So I, I I've had recent experience with. So you're saying that the that he's now cast and now his cast trigger of calling in his buddy traffic cop happens yes his eldrazi his eldrazi yes. cop with his cast trigger when when the eldrazi cop is cast eldrazi cop oh. eldrazi cop uh when you when you cast this spell uh when you cast a spell eldrazi cop makes you pay 140 dollars um, is this a little personal brian it is a little personal um so yeah so spells now cast anything anything that um uh effects that modify a spell on the stack apply now so if you have something that modifies the type or the creature type of a of a spell on the stack that's going to start applying at that at that point in time um and anything that triggers when the spell is cast, that's going to trigger now. And um, and players get priority. Yeah. Yeah. So that is basically the, the, the steps of casting a spell. Now, if any of these steps in anywhere in this chain are illegal, uh, what happens then? Uh, well, the game rules say that if any of those steps are illegal... Uh, we will back up to the moment immediately prior to the spell being cast. Now, is that is that that's what judges do, right? We we rewind if there's a problem, right? Uh, this is what we call uh, what you'll hear referred to often as a CR rewind. What that means is that this is not a rewind that's that's strictly authorized by the uh, the Magic Tournament rules or the IPG or the JAR. It's not authorized by any of those documents. It's authorized uh, in the comprehensive rules itself. Um, and it's lined out in the comprehensive rules that we just go back. So that's something that you'll, you'll often hear people say, uh, judges say this is a CR rewind. And what they mean by that is this is a rewind that is strictly defined by the comprehensive rules. And this is the only case where you're going to find that is in, if somehow during the process of casting a spell, we realize that the steps we have taken are illegal. We haven't finished casting the spell and, and done things beyond that. We're just still in the middle of it, and we go, "Oh, this is illegal." The comprehensive rules tell us what to do in that case. Right. This isn't this isn't a policy thing. This is literally just, "Hey, we're in, we're in the middle of casting this. We did it wrong. Help us make do it not wrong." And the and the game needs this because people play. Uh, shockingly, people play without judges nearby. How is that um, shocking? At like at their kitchen table. Um, now, 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 I now I haven't played a game of Magic in a long time when there hasn't been a judge, basically like sitting in the same chair that I am. <laughs> nice. But but other people will play uh, a Magic without a judge present sometimes. Yeah, those people are not going to look in the tournament policy documents to find out what happens there. In fact, there's a whole section on handling illegal actions, and it tells you to just back up that action. Uh, in in the comprehensive rules. Now, a lot of that is superseded by uh, 
the IPG or the JAR at uh, at competitive and professional rules enforcement, actually at any rules enforcement level at a tournament. Uh, but uh, you know, that's that's there needs to be a way to handle this outside of those as well because the game of Magic is played by far more people outside of tournaments than inside tournaments. Now, now something else. Uh, we we call this episode "Steps to Casting a Spell," but with only some minor tweaks, you could also call this "Steps to Activating an Ability" because the steps are extremely uh, similar. If you look at an ability, well, it has a cost and it has text, and it might have modes and it might have alternate costs. So, so you are actually making a lot of the same decisions when activating a, an ability. And so you you follow the same steps. You just don't do the ones that aren't relevant. And as as we were saying earlier at the beginning of the episode, in actuality, in in actual functional magic, in people playing magic in real life, this isn't generally how people will will play. And it and it and they they matter when they matter. And that's and they exist to sort of help untangle situations when people might not necessarily have regarded these steps. So like a, like a spell like Flames of the Firebrand. Okay, that's a that's a spell from uh, uh, Magic 2014 that says Flames of the Firebrand deals three damage divided any way you choose amongst two, one, two, or three target creatures or player. So if I if I pull out a Flames of the Firebrand and I tap and I and I hold it at like a two toughness creature and a one toughness creature. Okay, well, I just I just announced my spell. I mean, I took s- some serious shortcuts, but I announced my spell. I chose my number of targets. I declared what those targets were. I implied how I was going to distribute them in my choice. Um, and then I, you know, I'd, I'd tap the mana to pay for it. And you'd probably you'd put your creatures in the graveyard uh, if you didn't respond to that spell. So there's there's people don't go through these steps. Um, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's tedious when you go, when you go through them all and shortcuts are important to the game. So don't like, if you're genuinely confused as to what's going on, or you think there's a a point of confusion, then definitely ask. Right. In, in general, if there is ambiguity, if there's a potential for ambiguity, encourage people to be explicit with their decisions and how they're doing things. But yeah, this, these things are often shortcutted because, because people, people don't, People aren't computer programs in that way. Well, and they often know what's going on, right? They, they, if I say I'm going to lightning bolt your grizzly bear, we don't need to go into more specific detail than that. It, it's the, it's clear. Um, is there anything else that we wanted to hit in our conversation about the steps of casting a spell? I don't believe that I have any. No, um, I don't think there's any particular thing. Again, um, there. This isn't something that has changed a whole lot over time, but there are some small nuances to be aware of. So I'm glad that we are. And also people don't necessarily go back and listen to every old episode. So if this is something that you care about, I'm glad we were able to uh, make it happen. I agree. I'd also like to thank you for listening to episode 193 of Judge Cast. Um, I hope that you enjoyed the episode. We enjoyed making it. That being said, I'll just say that you can find our archive at judgecast.com and you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash judgecast on Twitter at twitter.com slash judgecast and you can email us as always at judgecast at gmail.com to sign off now I'll just say that I'm Jess Dunks and I keep it fair
And I'm Brogan King, and I keep it fun. And I'm Brian Prillman, and I keep my magic pills in a shoebox under my bed. So your mom doesn't find him? Well, I... Shh. 